Yeah. Give me mean they convinced themselves that that's not a human being that they murdered? Uh, I don't know that they think of it as murdering a human being. I mean, you hear all these people talking like, well, when, when is it alive? You know, I mean, like this ridiculous. Well, yeah, I understand that, but it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to going come to into the world. Yes. The chances of you losing that baby in miscarriage yeah. once you're, you know, once you're what? After the first trimester, in modern medicine, you're going to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. And well, I mean, you know, why why do you get arrested for uh, uh, raiding an eagle's nest if there aren't any babies in those eggs? Why are you getting in trouble for taking the eggs? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know how you get fined and stuff for messing with the eagles? Yeah. Eagles eggs? That are just, they're just just the eggs. Yeah, just the eggs. Embryos. Like if, if, you, if you mess with an egg, uh, it's a big fine and jail time. But, mm. I mean, that's kind of the same thing as... You know, if if there's if you can do that to a baby in your belly, then why are you getting arrested for doing that to an eagle that's in a shell? I mean, eagle. It seems that eagles have more uh, they have more respect than babies in a belly do. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course, man. I've got an infant son. It's got a perfect little tender little body, and I just I just think about bringing him home with a bandage on his penis. Yeah, like in this. I just go and stabbed him yeah. right out of the womb. Yeah, yeah, it didn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't make for? any sense. Well, yeah, I mean, just there's there is no religious basis for it, right? And I've gone back through that. Like Paul's pretty because there was a group in Corinth. Dude, you've got to get out of here, dirty dog. There's a group in Corinth that's going around like circ- circumcising people after Christ has already has Christ has died. You know, this is Paul's. 70 or 80 years after Christ and they were they were getting back into Judaism and doing doing circumcisions to people and he's like you guys what are you doing this is why did why did Christ even die if you're going to go back to the go back to the old law mm-hmm. and so like there's orthodox orthodox jewish stuff, yeah. yeah yeah um so there's no no religious basis for it in fact, if you you know, you you're working against the faith if you do it. So, why did it all happen? Why yeah. did this cultural phenomenon come about? I, we need to do a podcast about that sometime. Yeah, we really do. About I cir- mean, you were the one who brought that to my attention long ago. I was completely oblivious to it. Well, know. I mean, I, yeah, we don't have to derail on that, but it's more to the point that that humans, in many ways. We have less respect for them than, than animals, and yeah. certainly in the New Age Earth worshiper movement, that's the case. Yeah, you know, humans are a cancer. We got to get rid of some of them. Yeah, it's okay to have a few, but we need to get those numbers down so they are uh, more manageable. More manageable, or no? Get what is it? What is it in the science class when you when you had too many? You had too many of one species in the habitat, and you know they're out of e- the disequilibrium or something. Yeah. The the web starts breaking down. So, man, what you been reading? Well, um, man, I've just uh, since our last one, I've just been looking at. I got real interested in. Uh, 
you know, back to Solzhenitsyn and back in the Russian Revolution. Tolst- yeah, he's just Tolstoy and just like reading bits and pieces of those guys. And I got this book, uh, "Warning to the West," which is just a bunch of uh, a bunch of his um, speeches that he made after he was uh, exiled from Russia. It's pretty short. After book. he got, yeah, it is. It's just a ni- it's a nice little quick read. But <clears throat> as I was. Looking in there, though, it was reminding me of things that I read in Creature of Jekyll Island, talking about the Bolshevik Revolution and how it was financed by uh, the United States and Germany and the people that they were at war against. You know, it's um, like uh, it that it's not a that the Bolshevik Revolution didn't just transpire by itself. You know that this was a this was thought about for years and years beforehand, trying to uh, figure out how they could bring the czars to their knees and take over Russia. And the money men of the United States and of France and England and Germany, they were paying you know, Trotsky and Lenin, and they brought these guys up and reared them and taught them and, and then unleashed them in, in Russia. Yeah. <clears throat> Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this, these are not Russian. Like, Lenin was a... He, he went into exile um, after his brother was assassinated. Or he was assassinated or he was executed. He was executed for um, uh, doing, doing something. I forget what he was... It was, it was something against the, the czars of Russia. You know, saying that they need to... Uh, you know, he, he had problems with them. Anyway, he was, he was executed... And Lenin was then exiled, and he was over um, in colleges in Europe and was taught, you know, all kinds of stuff, like how to, uh, how to bring a country to its knees, like how to go in and, and get people behind him. And, um, you know, this is when communism just started, um, was just a, a thought in everybody's mind, and just how can we unleash this? And he was the guy that did it. Along with Trotsky, but they were all paid, financed by, financed by the, the United big, States. The big, man, yes. This sound, this sounds like uh, I, I I come across a guy last night talking about how this this whole thing started in uh, 1776. Oh, really? With uh, Weishaupt and the alternative, not not. Not the Declaration of Independence, 1776, but an alternative date. It's on the back of the dollar bill, in fact. I, I thought 1776 was on the back of the dollar bill. Well, it is, but it's, a, it's the foundation of the, the secret society. And mm. Like it has nothing to do with the Declaration of Independence no. or anything. It's, some, it's something else. Yeah, you've heard of Adam Weishaupt, right? The, I have, but I'm not for sure who he is. Well, he's a... The uh, the mystic, like the, like the father of, the father of, uh, of the occult, I guess you would call it. Okay. And this okay. is allegedly this is all part of their plan to take over the world. Okay. All the stuff that we're yeah. seeing. Yeah. And then this fits with it. You're saying that, and that didn't, never made sense to me. How the story of we're gonna go in and and liberate. Uh, Europe and the Jews because Hitler's a bad guy. Well, as soon as the war's over, Stalin starts doing the same thing to all the 
all the Eastern European countries, just going in and taking them over and murdering people and throwing them into concentration camps. Yeah. No one cares. Right. That doesn't make any sense right. at all. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the whole thing is just stinks. Oh, it all yeah. stinks. Yeah, it's all. And uh, here you are saying that it's all part of these these dudes that uh, just trashed our money system. Yep. With fiat currency in the night. Yeah. They did it with three dudes, I think, right? Uh, well, it was Wilson and there was, uh, there was, there was a, f- a few guys that went down there. You're well, I mean, whenever about, it was, you're talking was, about in Jekyll Island when it was hatched. No, whenever, <clears throat> oh, whenever when it would, when went it down in con- Congress. Yeah. When yeah. it went down in Congress. So, yeah. It was like over, it was like over Christmas, On Christmas or holiday something. or something. Yeah. Everybody was gone and somehow they were able to do this. This just doesn't make sense. I don't know how you can do stuff like that with most of the, with most of Congress on right. vacation, you right. know, but, um, I guess that's kind of what happened. Well, well, tell me more, man. Like, what did you do? You have some excerpts you want to read from? Well, uh, I do. There's. It wasn't about that. What? What? When I was looking through this, um, I stumbled across the uh, just the money, just how debt works, and uh, just the chapter on debt, and it just blows. It blows my mind every time I read it. Just how how much of a slave we are in this society and how we're used. Why don't you, uh, for the benefit of our audience why don't you break down what the system that we had when this country was founded versus the system that we're on now well i don't know that we ever i mean i know we went back and forth between solid money and fiat money i mean we had fiat money long ago as well and it uh um it went horribly as it is right now going horribly Mm. but um you know as long as it was connected to gold, we were prosperous. I mean, at one point in the 1800s, uh, you could put money in, your, in your, your bank, and if you saved it, saved money, it would have more purchasing value the following year. Like, it was the reverse of what we have now. Now you leave it in your bank for a year, and, you know, you can, let's just say for five bucks, you can buy a gallon of milk. Next year, it's going to cost you six. So you know, it loses purchasing value. Whereas back in the 1800s, the later 1800s, before the Federal Reserve was put in, it was linked to gold. Mm -hmm. And and they couldn't just print money. They had to have a certain amount. They had to have the exact amount of gold as the exact amount of cash. So that balanced out. Couldn't you take your cash to an exchange? Yes, and get gold. And get gold back. Get get your gold back. Absolutely, you could. And uh, anyway, the, the... the long story short of it was that if milk costs five bucks now, like next year it would cost four bucks, mm-hmm. right? So saving money was, that's where saving your money kind of took hold. It's like, man, you need to save your money because it's going to be worth more. And this, we still think along those lines, you know, like right. save your money. Well, if you're saving cash, that's just a, a dumb way to, to do things. You don't want to save money. You have to put it into something. Yeah. You have to put it into an asset that's going to hold value because money is just... It's on fire. It's bleeding out. Yeah. And getting faster and faster and mm-hmm. faster. Oh, man. That's, yeah. any, anybody can see that right yeah. now. Let me... Uh, I've got this marked right here, but... Do you think? Yeah, these are called... Uh, this, this chapter is called The Doomsday Scenario, and it's just about the debt. <clears throat> All right. 
One of the most obvious characteristics of our present time is the extent to which Americans and their government have become mired in debt. Annual federal deficits have grown steadily since 1950, and the rate of growth is now in a vertical climb. It took 198 years for the government to borrow the first trillion dollars. Then in just 12 years, mostly under the Reagan administration, it borrowed another $3 trillion. By the first year of the George W. Bush administration, even before the terrorist attack on September 11th, the federal debt had risen to over $5.8 trillion. By 2007, it had risen to $59.1 trillion. When all governments and liabilities are, with all the governments and liabilities included, it is difficult to comprehend numbers of that size. It just goes in saying like, you know, hundred hundreds of bills, a stack of $100 bills is 40 inches high, and uh, you'd be a millionaire. 59.1 trillion would rise over 35 miles into space. <laughs> so by 2006, gross interest payments on the nat- national debt were running at $406 billion per year. That consumed about 17% of all federal revenue. It now represents the government's largest single expense, greater than defense, larger than the combined cost of departments of agriculture, education, energy, housing, and urban development, interior, justice, labor, state, transportation, and veteran affairs. These charges are not paid by the government. They are paid by us. You provide the money through taxes and inflation. The cost currently is about $5,000 for each family of four. All families pay through inflation, but not all pay taxes. The cost to each tax-paying family, therefore, is higher. On average, over $5,000 is extracted from your family each year not to provide government services or even pay off previous debt. Nothing is produced by it, not even the roads or government buildings. No welfare or medical benefits come out of it. No salaries are paid by it. The nation's standard of living is not raised by it. It does nothing except pay interest. Wow. And that's 2006. That's 2006. Where are we at now? Oh, I mean, I can't even do the math on that. But, I mean. Who even knows? Who knows? (laughs) I wonder where we're at. And and that's just, you know, that's just paying, that's just paying what people have borrowed from, uh, from the Federal Reserve, right? That's just, uh, that's just borrow, actually borrowed money. Or actually, these, these are, this is debt that people have purchased, right? This doesn't even count inflation. Yeah. So, I mean, the inflation is just such a hidden scoundrel of a tax that really hurts the poor because, you know, they're, they're, they, don't, they don't get raises. You know, the price of bread and milk and everything starts rising mm-hmm. around them. Their rent increases, but at work, you know, they're not... There's nothing, yeah. You, not you and I can raise prices on, on our... You can raise your menu yes. prices every year and you yes. do, and I raise my, my, the prices I charge the customers. Correct. And they understand this because... They see it themselves, but you're saying yeah. that someone on fixed income, like on a minimum wage or yes. have a salary, yes. they're just getting extorted. Yes. They're powerless to yes. do anything. And I think this this is all, from what I've been reading of communism, this is all part of demoralization. <laughs> yeah. People are just in despair because yeah. this is happening by design. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is, it is by design. And, you know, what they could do is have a balanced budget. Right, but we never, Congress never has balanced budgets. Never, ever, and they're always raising the ceiling. They're always doing it. Yeah. They need more and more and more and more money. There are more government jobs now than there are private jobs. Whoa. The government is a cancer that is just eating the world alive. Yeah, I mean, pretty soon that's that's going to be like all there is. Yeah, you but know? you know they they've done such a mind job on everybody. 
that now they're becoming the religion. Right. People people think they're benevolent and omnipotent. Yeah. Yeah, that's their new religion. Yeah. But but God is dead. They're they're stealing from everyone and making slaves out of everyone. Yes. It's this is the this is the textbook definition of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it it is. It truly is. And most people don't really know this. And and will will spit in your face yeah. if you try to tell them this. Yeah. We'll call you a loon. Yeah. But we are nothing but slaves into this system. And if you don't think you are, stop paying taxes and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you'll you'll go you'll get a now free with those taxes. We're funding we're funding military ventures all over the world, crushing skulls over in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're paying people to push this right, system to push this system to get everybody under this pyramid mm-hmm. into this pyramidal structure. Dude, this is uh, dude, this guy last night saying this is all Luciferian plot to take over the world. Yeah. To put everyone under the jackboot. Yeah. And that man, that's Yeah. That sure, sure seems to be the case. Well, and so you've just explained the the inter- explain fl- inflation. So inflation is uh, is is the printing of money, period. The end, that's what it is. So if you if we started out with a hundred dollars between us and you know you you're you you it's, it's difficult to explain. Think about an ocean and you just keep, and, and the water is the ocean and boats and everything are bread and milk and everything that you pay in society. Mm-hmm. And those things just rise. They get higher and higher and higher as you print more money. This printing money is pouring water into the yes. ocean. Yeah. So if you have a, it, let's just say there's $100 in the world and then you print out another $100. Well, those, those dollars will buy 50% less, mm-hmm. right? Because they've been doubled in price. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in like stocks. You know, stocks, when they get up, certain, um, when they get up to a, a, a certain expense or whatnot, they'll declare a stock split, you know, and they'll give you twice the amount of stocks, but it cuts it in half, the price. So, you know, $100, let's just say the stock's worth 100 bucks, and there's 1,000 shares, They'll double it. Now there's 2,000 shares, and the stock's worth 50 bucks. Yeah. The same, it's the exact same way with inflation. When they print money, depending on the percentage they do, that wealth, it erodes the purchasing power of the dollar by whatever percentage they increase it by. And where does that money go? Right into the pockets of the pig government. Because mm. they're the ones that get to use that first. It's like a pebble of water. You know, if you throw it... If you throw a pebble in the water and you see those ripples move out, mm-hmm. that's how the money is. If they, if, they bu- if they print a bunch of money, that starts out with the government, and then it moves through society. Right, because they get to go and buy Use something it. with it before it ever enters the sea. Yes, exactly. Before the boats ever rise, yes. they get to buy something mm-hmm. with it, purchase some jets or yep. fund Vla- Vladimir Lenin, whatever they want yeah. to do. Yeah, Okay. Because all the food and everything, that's all scarce, right? It's a scarce uh-huh. resource. And there's only so much there's of it. There's only so much. Yeah, so if you print money, uh, supply and demand kicks in. Yeah. Uh, you can't print food right, at the same time. Food. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a scarce resource. And that's what money does is it chases scarce resources. If there's more of it, you've got to raise the prices of those resources to balance it out. Did you get a little? What was that? You get a bug in your coffee? Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> Something like I was out. I'm not going to throw my coffee out there. Oh, gross. I don't know what that was. It was one of those worms. Oh, worms got in there? Oh, oh when, nice. I was, when I was out, when I was bringing it over, they dropped in there. Yeah, gross. <laughs> little soldier fly worm soldier in the coffee. Fly. <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh, that's yeah. not good. Anyway, inflation is the worst. I mean, it's the, it's dirty because people don't understand it, and um, you know they it's 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 the last thing that they do. You know, they try to sell bonds. They try to you know try to buy and sell bonds to um, to to make more debt. Uh, but when that doesn't happen and they need money, the old Federal Reserve just creates it out of thin air. And guess who gets the money off of that? Guess who gets the interest off of that? It's it's the Federal Reserve. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And they only own like 9%. I think I read they only, in, in this book, it says they only own 9% of uh, all debt out there. But, you know, this money they don't come up with. This money, they, they, they are able to create money out of thin air, just right on a computer. Mm. And... And and they make all this money off of it, off the sweat of everybody's back, doing nothing but creating money out of out of thin air. Yeah, it's it's tragic. And they the the I mean the whole inflation, you know, the printing of money, it, it really the the problem happens with the poor. It really hits the poor, like those that are just scra- scratching by. They're uh, you know that's all they can. Uh, they're just eking eking a living out because. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just can't buy this, they can't buy that, and, and despair, like you were talking about. And completely unaware, unaware of what is yes. being done to them. Yes, and, and upset, you know, why can't I make this kind of money? Yeah. You know, why, why can't I move myself up into society? Yeah, and that's, and that's how, you, the other, you know, the last time we were together, you talked about the, the ministers of Marxism that went around just making all these promises to all these peasants, mm-hmm. um, and and then it was it was the the worker and the owner of the company right the proletariat and the and the uh the bourgeoisie the bourgeoisie yeah. and these ministers of truth went around saying well these guys are evil they because they are in the positions that they are that no one can get there without cheating right they're evil you're good yep we're gonna come in and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna set we're gonna set the table right. We're gonna make, make it them equal, equal with, with you and you equal with them, yeah. and and they were able to do this because uh, these people were in despair, in poverty. Yeah, except for the kulaks. Yeah, the kulaks. Yeah, who who um, and Rob Dreer talks about this, and I posted it this morning. I, a matter of fact, I'll play it for you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they'd point at the kulaks and be like, "Look at these guys! Yeah. Look at these wealthy people!" Well, they with had their to horse. they had to get rid of them. <laughs> they had to get rid of the kulaks because they they didn't need you know they they understood that it had nothing to do with any of that. Yeah, that hard work and being smart with your resources and could get you could get you success. Right. What is this that we're about to play? This is Rob, This is from Rob Dreher. This is from the... Louisiana in the Great Depression. And this was a man who... My He's late a- father, who was born in deep rural poverty in South Louisiana in the Great Depression. And this was a man who didn't have indoor plumbing in his house until he installed it as a senior in high school in the early 1950s. But uh, he was able to benefit from the GI Bill after the war, and he was the first in his family to go to college. Uh, And he built a middle-class existence and sent his kids to college and so on and so forth. 
Well, when I was reading Russian history about the kulaks, the, the prosperous peasants, and how Stalin and, and Lenin singled them out for extermination, I think of people like my dad, those mm -hmm. who knew what you could do through hard work and self-discipline and using your talents in the right way. Uh, that's why Stalin had to get rid of the kulaks, because they stood as, uh, as living disproofs of the Bolshevik ideology, which is the only way anybody gets ahead is by cheating. So, yeah, when you... The, the Russian people were ripe for uh, totalitarianism because apparently they were first they were assassinated by uh, economic economic hitmen. I, I wonder if you like you said the other day if that famine was calculated. Yeah, well, I mean, from what I read was that it was calculated many years beforehand. Like this, this was a plan that was hatched many years. I, w I believe was it quote many years beforehand. And who was it? It was somebody that was in the. Um, it was somebody in the United States that said it. Um, God, I forget his name. Uh, it was from. It was a dude from Lou. Um, one of the big firms. One of the big money firms. What was that guy's name? Uh, Jacob Schiff. That's who it was. Jacob Schiff was uh, uh, the, the head of Lude, Webb, and Kuntz. It was some, I, I don't know if that was the name of it, but uh, uh, he was a financier. And when he was speaking, you know, he, he, he didn't attend this meeting after the, after the Bolshevik Revolution, after the czars were, were toppled. And he was congratulating everybody, saying this was a plan that was many years, you know, we put many years mm. of uh, planning into this, and it, we've, We've done it. I think I know what you're talking about. He he went in. He was living abroad uh, whenever all this went down, uh, or, or I, I don't during know the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah, maybe he was. I'm not for sure, but I I can find it in this. I just read it not too long ago. But go ahead, do it. take your time. You can edit this part out. Yeah. It's easy to edit out the style. All right. One of the greatest myths of contemporary history is that of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. It was a popular uprising of the downtrodden masses against the hated ruling class of the czars. As we shall see, however, the planning, the leadership, and especially the financing came entirely from outside Russia, mostly from financiers in Germany, Britain, and the United States. Furthermore, we shall see that the Rothschild family played a major role in shaping these events. This amazing story begins with the war between Russia and Japan in 1904. Jacob Schiff, who was head of the New York investment firm Kuhn, Leb & Company, had raised the capital for large war loans to Japan. It was due to this funding that the Japanese were able to launch a stunning attack against the Russians at Port Arthur and the following year to virtually decimate the Russian fleet. In 1905, the Mikado awarded Jacob Schiff a medal, uh, a medal the second Order of the Treasure of Japan in recognition of this important role in that campaign. During these two years of hostilities, thousands of Russian soldiers and sailors were taken as prisoners. Sources outside of Russia, which were hostile to the Tsarist regime, paid for the printing of Marxist propaganda and had it delivered to the prison camps. Russian-speaking revolutionaries were trained in New York and sent to distribute the pamphlets among the prisoners and 
uh, to indoctrinate them in the rebellion against their own government. When the war ended, these officers and enlisted men returned home to become virtual seeds of treason against the Tsar. They were to play a major role a few, few years later in creating mutiny among the military during the communist takeover in Russia. And then it goes into Trotsky talking about his life and who he was financed by. One of the best-known Russian revolutionaries at the time was Leon Trotsky. In January 1916, Trotsky was expelled from France and came to the United States. It has been claimed that the expenses were paid by Jacob Schiff. There's no documentation to substantiate that claim, but the circumstantial evidence does point to a wealthy donor in New York. He remained, the sev- he remained for several months while writing for a Russian socialist newspaper, the Novi Mir New World, and giving revolutionary speeches at mass meetings in the New York City. According to Trotsky himself, on many occasions, a chauffeur limousine was placed at the service by a wealthy friend identified as Dr. M. In this book, My Life, Trotsky wrote, quote, The doctor's wife took my wife and boys out driving and was very kind to them, but she was a mere mortal, whereas the chauffeur was a magician, a titan, a superman. With a wave of his hand, he made the machine obey his slightest command. To sit beside him was a supreme delight. Uh, when they went into the tea room, the boys would anxiously demand to, of their mother, why doesn't the chauffeur come in? It must have been curious sight to see the family of a great socialist radical, defender of the working class, enemy of capitalism, enjoying the pleasures of tea rooms and chauffeurs, the very symbols of capitalist luxury. That was Trotsky. Mm. Yeah. And he was, you know, of course, banging his fists on the table saying that we just... You know, poor workers, poor, the poor, you know, right. we need to get these guys, and here he is just living it up. Yeah, living it up. Dude, this is going on right now. Yeah. Look at all these uh, CEOs, uh, these woke companies. Yeah. Just, just whining about the plight of the, the oppressed and the downtrodden. Well, they live in mansions and yeah. drive Lamborghinis. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and they're not going to sacrifice anything. They're going to put no, all of that they're not on gonna, us. They're not going to step down as CEO. No, definitely not. These no, people not. are... Uh, they're going to continue to live the life that they live while forcing us to uh, do whatever kind of monkey nonsense they think is, you know, the global warming. They're going to they're push that on us. Yeah. Like, it's, like it's the... Like it's our, it's fault. our fault. It's our fault. Yeah, that these huge companies, the ones that are... <laughs> That if even if it was happening, would be the cause of all of this stuff. But no, it's going to be pushed down on all of us mm. while they enjoy. <laughs> Dude, this is go. This this has been going on for hundreds of years. Yeah. Wow, it's called what? This is called woke capitalism. It's yeah. funny you talked about. I opened it up. Uh, th- this is from "Live Not by Lies" by Dreer. Now, an elite club of global mega corporations are more powerful than many countries. Walmart has more annual revenue than Spain and more than twice as much as Russia. Exxon Mobil is bigger revenue-wise than India, Norway, or Turkey. As international strategist Parag Khanna says, in a world where Apple has more cash on hand than two-thirds of the world's nations, corporations are likely to overtake all states in form of clout. In America that now runs on the Internet, five companies, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, have almost incalculable influence over public and private life. As at the same time, big business has moved steadily leftward on social issues. Standard business practice long required staying out of controversial issues on the grounds that taking sides in the culture war would be bad for business. That all changed in a big way in 2015 
when the state of Indiana passed a religious freedom bill that would have given some protection to businesses sued for anti-gay discrimination. A powerful coalition of corporate leaders, including the heads of Apple, Salesforce, Salesforce, Eli Lilly, and others, threatened economic retaliation against the state if it did not reverse course. It did. Since then, lobbyists for national and international corporations have leaned heavily on state governments to pass pro-LGBT legislation and to resist religious liberty laws. I mean, we see this. We just saw this with Bud Light yeah. and with Target. Sure. Like, these these uh, these woke companies are these CEOs and their boards trained up in liberal colleges and rise to the top making millions and millions of dollars want to want to say that people are oppressed they are the oppressors are, do you think they're doing this because they feel bad about themselves that's they- that's Rob Jers. Uh, you, if you listen to that Peterson interview with Dreher, he's that's what his that's what yeah he okay. says it's guilt yeah guilt that's right yeah guilt. he said they're doing this out of guilt yeah. do you do you, do you think that it just blows my mind that they would be they would feel guilty about anything I don't know man like it, it's hard to it's hard to know what the motivations are but I I think that it's um, that it's all much more sinister than just guilt. Yeah. That, like it's planned, like it's organized. Well, I mean, like I just read, these these people are more powerful than most countries. God, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, um, I was wanting to talk about that as well. That think about that more more money than India. What what did it say? Yeah, uh, Exxon Mobil is bigger revenue wise than India. Wow. Norway or Turkey. Now, that. Oh wow, that just doesn't seem possible. That's amazing. I mean, isn't India like the fifth or sixth largest GDP in the world? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I wonder if I it's not talking about that. the gross domestic product, but maybe maybe revenue means something different than GDP. That's probably what it is. Because they're they're probably in debt, you know, just like every other country in the world. They just uh, India. Yeah. Or ExxonMobil. No, India. India. Yeah, the businesses are not. You know, the businesses are, uh, they have to make money. Right. Or, you're, I get, yeah, you're saying yeah. that they're, yeah, they're, maybe, it, maybe it's just the amount of revenue they generate right. every year versus, yeah. versus ExxonMobil. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, regardless, he does make a good point that those, those five big corporations control the, the internet. Yeah. They control what people think. Yes, they control what you search for and what comes back to you, and the movies you watch. And the man, I got into this conversation with with my family last night. Like, the, if you, um, you know, my my, we've we uh, are sinners. My wife and I. We we had the TVs, we had the games, we had Xbox, Nintendo, we the. All of it. Everything. All of we it. had the tablets, the phones, all the stuff. And uh, one day, the Spirit convicts us both about the same time, and we just tossed it, all of it. Now we're down to one computer, and we have a tablet for the business. stays in the car, yeah. and the kids aren't allowed on any of it, and we don't get on any of it. We play the same rules, and, and I told them, I was like, you, the... the you were, were junkies. We were all junkies yep. and addicts. No different than somebody addicted to methamphetamine or alcohol 
or pornography or anything else, and these children that are being raised up on this stuff will suffer. They will suffer hard for what is happening, what is being done to them, and what they are doing to themselves. Uh, and, you know, Mason goes to work with me every day, and he, he's gotten, like, four tips from customers. Just They see him working. They come out and say, man, how old are you? Nine years old. And it's like, God, well, that's unbelievable. You know, here's an extra hundred bucks. No kidding. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he, awesome. gets, he gets, like, praise all the time. And I ask him, like, why do you think that they do that to you? You think it's just they just go around just giving people extra money? No, it's because they don't see that anymore. Yeah. They don't see children working. They yeah. don't see them being respectful and shaking their hand and saying how you doing. Right. Uh, this is not going to go well for these children. Yeah. You know, in twenty years when yeah. they want to start a family. Well, it can't. It can't. I mean, for one, you're not. If you're on, and this is what I was telling you the other day. You know, when you're connected to, when you're online, you're disconnected from nature every disconnected from humans yeah. yeah from this world dude people when we hire like i can't when i hire people anymore do they they don't look at me in the eye when they come in they're just looking at the ground you know and just don't know what to do with their hands you know it's it's like a high anxiety situation mm-hmm. for them and i mean it used to you know like people would go interview for jobs all the time you know and just chat with you and no big deal Dude, now, most of the time, they don't even show up for their interview, for one. And I don't know why or what the deal is, but I have a feeling that anxiety gets the best of them. They're just like, oh, I'm just not going to do it today, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I, think, I think that this, is the, um, this comes straight from people being online all the time and hiding behind their avatars online to yeah. do all of their communication and talking to their buddies and whatnot. They're just mm-hmm. not used to human interaction, and it makes them uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to derail our, our. Um, not at all. I mean, it's a, it's a good point to talk about. I mean, it's. it's yeah, a, it's. I mean, it's. So this this guy makes the point that, that. All of us, Democrats, Republicans, we're all progressives. We all believe that progress is the highest good. That today is better than it's ever been in the past, and tomorrow will be better than it is today. This is, this is the lie of progress, and that if we can just accelerate the process, the things will get better for humanity, and eventually we can turn it into a paradise, and we can all become like gods. Yeah. And this idea has done more to destroy the, the good things about humanity than than communism ever did. It's consumerism has destroyed religion more effectively and faster than communism ever did. Consumerism. Well, just let me read you a quote. Consumerism, like the commercials and stuff, like the buying just more, more, more. Is that what you're talking about? Well, cap. Yeah. The wanting to wanting to, um, to satisfy the self, okay. the quest for pleasure, okay. the quest for whatever I want. It's not news to Western conservatives that ideologues in power, both in classrooms and newsrooms, manip- manipulate collective memory to capture the future. What is much less present in the consciousness of modern people 
as Connerton appears, <clears throat> is how liberal democracy, capitalist way of life, unintentionally does the same thing. The essence of modernity is to deny that there are any transcendent stories, structures, habits, or beliefs to which individuals must submit and they should bind our conduct. To be modern is to be free to choose. What is chosen does not matter. The meeting is, is in the choice itself. There is no sacred order, no other world, no fixed virtues and permanent truths. There is only here and now and the eternal flame of human desire. Volo ergo sum, I want, therefore I am. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that's the driving force behind all of this. That's the driving force behind the kids that can't come in and look you in the eye. Because, dude, when you and I were growing up, you wanted to get freedom <clears throat> to go and and be with your friends, to go and, and swim in the lake, to go and and... Do whatever, but you needed a car to do that. You needed a, you needed cash to buy gas and to pay for your insurance and to buy things when you when you were out and about. So you you had to be you had to get a job. Everybody wanted to get a job when I was a kid. You wanted to get a job. You wanted to get a car. You want to drive around. You go to town on Friday night. Take your friends out. Go back road and go to the, go fishing. Whatever. Because if not, you're asking mom and dad. Especially if you're in a rural area. You, I mean, if you're Two mile, like if you live in Beaver, Oklahoma, way out on a farm, you you're just trapped without a car, without a job. You're you're gonna have to ask dad for everything, and the internet has done away with all that. You don't have to go anywhere to get those things. You can jump online with your with your video games and and get online with your buddies and go like kill a bunch of terrorists or something and and drive around in your jeep but and yeah it uh on top of that though that uh back before computers back before phones and whatnot when you'd be out with your friends you would be with your friends right yep. you'd be interacting like with this your friends yeah we're together exactly you'd be you would all be together talking you'd all be doing something together and you you may find yourself in an uncomfortable situation maybe some girls walk in and you're uncomfortable or whatnot and you don't know how to act for a bit, but you'd start meshing in there. You'd be forced to kind of figure stuff out and meet new people. Nowadays, though, you have this phone in your back pocket. When you feel uncomfortable, you just pull it out, and you're gone. It's yeah. like you just vanish from from that group of people. Yeah. And then everybody does that. Dude, you see this at the tables, like people eating dinner, and everybody at the table is on their phone, just completely out of contact. They're at the table together, but they're not. You think that's a, you're saying that whenever people are, get, get uncomfortable, uncomfortable, they boom, flip it out. Yes, man. Yeah. It's yeah. a way to hide. When I was, when I was moving cows day before yesterday, this dude comes walking down the road and this rural road, he's not expecting to see anybody. My wife and I just, we don't see people walking the road. They're way out in here in the middle of nowhere. What are you doing? And we both look at him and we're just, we're watching him. Pulls out his phone. When he gets by, he puts it away. And yep. he comes back. We he I guess we're still there. there we go. start watching him. Pulls yep. out his phone. Yep. Yeah, it's a way to deflect, deflect 
your uncomfortableness. It's like you're doing something right. People are uncomfortable in silence, you know, and, and I see that happening all the time. People will be talking or whatnot. As soon as there's a lull, man, the phones come out immediately because they're uncomfortable sitting there with everybody and they don't have anything to say. So they'll just go to their phone to deflect their anxiety. Man. They're doing something here. Oh, hang on, I'm doing something right here. So they don't have to, you know, they don't have to face the anxiety of not having anything to say. Right. Just like that guy, you know, instead of looking at you in the eye and saying, hey, how's it going? You know, what are you all up to? Yeah, it's just, it's much easier just to lose yourself and be, I'm invisible. I'm doing something right now, so I don't need to talk to you. So do you agree with my, my little lecture to my kids that we're all junkies? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, For sure. That sounds like junkie behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I don't absolutely. feel good. I need this to make me to make me feel normal. Yeah, <clears throat> and people do it all the time. Yeah. You know, like at the bar at Tio's, I'll be sitting there, and and I mean, I've got my books at Tio's, right? And which is which is nerdy, weird in itself. Yeah. Weirdo. I'll go over there and be reading or whatnot, and people call me out on it all the time. But I'll look across the bar, and they'll be on their phone. Yeah. Why don't you call everybody out that's on their phone? Why is it? Why am I the weird one for reading a book, but you all are sitting there on your phone looking at nonsense? Yeah. You know. It's just it's you're just making funny. you're making them uncomfortable with your odd behavior. You and your book reading, yeah. Nerd. You're yeah. making them uncomfortable. Yeah, I guess so. It's what? all about comfort, man. Yeah. That's what I, I think. That's what that's what this guy is saying. Like, this is our this our society has turned into like a, to just a quest a quest for comfort, and that's what makes us ripe for totalitarianist takeover because. Who's going to stand up to anything as long as you're guaranteed your... That's, and that's what he was talking about with, over in China. Like, these kids that have been raised online, they don't even care. They don't even care that they live under a dictatorship. They don't even want to figure out... They don't, they've so effectively erased the cultural memory from those children that they don't even care to learn where they came from. They just accept their reality as some child born in the basement this is all this is all there is and i'm fine with it they're cows in the pasture yeah they have no idea what's what's going on around them yeah th- this guy says that your comfort the the way to fight totalitarianism is to keep cultural memory alive to and they did this underground i mean they would be shot for getting together and talking about history and uh past stories and how it used to be and where they came from. This is how they fought the totalitarianists. They got together and they gave lectures on, on history and oh. <clears throat> yeah, while you're looking at that, I do mean, it. There's a couple of more things in here that are just jaw dropping. And I, I had something from, well, anyways, they, they, uh, not every member of an anti-totalitarian resistance carries a rifle. Rifles would have been mostly useless against the German army. The persistence of cultural memory was the greatest weapon the Poles, the, uh, the, Poland, the Polish people, had to resist Nazi totalitarianism and the Soviet kind, which seized the nation in the aftermath of Germany's defeat. In Poland... Skabiginski explains the only long-lasting social institutions that existed were the church and the family. In the 20th century, the twin totalitarianisms tried to capture and destroy the Polish Catholic Church. Communism attempted to break apart the family by maintaining a monopoly on 
education and teaching young people to be dependent on the state. It also sought to lure away the young people from the church by convincing them that the state would be guarantors of their sexual freedom. Boy, don't we see that Man. going on today? Wow, trying yeah. to destroy religion and the family. Yep. Yeah, the uh, I, it, it blows my mind how you could how religion can be destroyed and the state comes and takes its place. I mean, all you do is you, you look outside, you see these trees that and the grass that grows without any human intervention. You see life just moving through everything. It comes and goes. You can see right there what causes that. It's definitely not human. It's definitely not the state that allows that to happen. So how can you abdicate, uh, abdicate religious belief? Well, they've effectively done that with education. They've convinced people that all this, all this is a product of natural selection, which is a complete fairy tale. Yes. I mean, there's no evidence for that, but they all talk about it like this is just an all this is just an accident and this could happen anywhere it probably has happened a thousand times yeah. over yeah but what started it though you know this these are the yeah. things you know like what yeah, well, yeah we can't stuff. answer that question yeah. so let's not we're yeah. not going to talk about that let's talk about what we what we do know which yeah. they don't know yeah none at all <laughs> dude science if you if you follow like if you go to all this all the like isaac newton all of these laws that he's thrown down and uh how far we are, distances from stars to yeah. here. Dude, it's all nonsense. It's all mysticism. It is. It's all mysticism. All, all numerology, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, 93 million miles to the sun. 93 is the number of Thelema. Yeah. I mean, it's a big Alistair Crowley. That's his 666,000 yes. miles yeah. around the sun. Nuts. Of the earth to travel. And how could you prove that? Yeah. You What's know, your dude, radar gun, bro? Look, <laughs> it just blows me away how these, how how we just hook, line, and sinker by all this scientism, um, <clears throat> the survival of the fittest, the evolution, you know, the Big Bang. Get out of here! Yeah. Man. you have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, how do you? It is all philosophy. It is all coming out of the mind of man. Yeah, it's like to, like Tolkien. Yes. This is all, this is all Lord of the Rings, and we just pretend that it's yeah. this real. Yeah, and and we don't. We don't really know. Nobody really, they don't have the time because they're working their butts off. Or now they're online. Yeah. You know, now they're just lost, eating up, watching oblivion. puppy dog videos mm -hmm. and, and and fat people walking around doing funny things. Um, you know, and they're not they're not looking at all these things that are supposed to be fact here on Earth. Well, why is this a fact? Let's follow this all the way. Let's read about it. Let's figure out where all this came from and who said it and why and what their evidence was, yeah. which is none. There is none. No evidence whatsoever yeah. for most of this stuff. Most of it. And, and a lot of it's been proven wrong by people that you'll never hear of because they've been wiped off the planet. Yeah. They're erasing, they're erasing, uh, they're erasing history. They're erasing cultural memory. Yeah. Um, which has probably been going on forever. Yeah. You know, for thousands That's how you control years. people. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Chinese, the young Chinese people, they're not even trying to fight back. And in fact, with AI, they, they're able to, either they're able to now or they will very soon be able to minority report people that may resist. Oh, my God. To, to find people and, and go and... Uh, Pre-crime. Yeah, and go and... and intervene with them without them even knowing that they're being intervened upon <laughs> God. Dude, start pushing pushing them another direction yeah. by the content that yeah. they're consuming dude this is like yeah dude this is the, the, called a pink police state 
The Gulag Archipelago is all about that. Like picking up people on the street. People just get picked up on the street. Yeah. They had no clue. What like what what's going on? Well, yeah. you were we saw you talking to this gentleman the other day and uh, we got some questions and then you never see your family. Oh again. yeah, man. I heard there's like seven or eight people that were linked to a typewriter that went to the jail and some of them were executed. Jeez. Just because they knew somebody that was linked to this typewriter that God. that typed out this Soviet propaganda. Man, dude, I I I, I we say this with a smile on our face, this but this is, happened, man. This, this happened. God. It could very easily happen dude. in our lifetimes. Yeah. Again. I mean, I could see this happening. Yeah, dude. It's already happening. happening. Yeah. People are already getting fired yeah. for speaking up. Yeah. I mean, do you, you have these professors that are debating with their students, and their students are getting upset about it and screaming and yelling. The university sides with the yes. students yeah. who paid good money to yeah. go and have yeah. these interactions with these professors. Yes. What? And, and none of the other professors are standing up for them. Right. You know, they're all hiding under the, hiding under the dragon's wing. Yep. You know? Exactly. Not saying a damn word. But why did you come here? If you don't want to be challenged, if you don't want to be educated, if you don't want to have discourse with me about your ideas, if we're not going to have a good exchange of ideas, what are you even doing here? Right. Right. Why did you pay your money to come here yeah. if you just want to be reinforced with your own delusional ideology? Yeah. That's why we have dialogue, so we can challenge each other's ideas that are terrible. Yeah. And if Absolutely. you just want to cry about it, and throw up your hands, and then somebody comes along and then reinforces. That's what like bad parents do to their children, turn them into tyrants. Right. Oh, right. it's all right. You sh- you you hit Billy because he he took your ball, and and even though it was his ball, you he shouldn't have done that. You know, just it's okay. You you hit anybody that takes their ball when you're playing with it. If even if it's their ball, yeah, I mean. This is essentially what we're doing right. to the, this generation that's coming up. I listened to this; these students like berating their professor. Who it was? Some professor that had had got, his wife had gone on. I guess they were both professors at Yale, and his wife had had made a reply to the university, who come out and said, "Okay, well, Halloween's coming up." And yes, I know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You, be sure that you're smart about your choices and don't offend anybody with your Halloween costume. Right. And the wife comes on and says, can't kids just be kids and just dress up or whatever? Like, do they have to look, be politically correct about every possible, like, I mean, you, you could dress up as you dress up as a Roman centurion. Somebody's sure. going to, sure. going to yeah. get offended you're, by that. You're not from Rome. <laughs> you, why are you dressing up like them? You know, I've been thinking about this. You know, I speak Spanish. Should I speak Spanish anymore since I'm not Hispanic? You're offending me. Because it might that's offend That's my somebody. language. Yeah, that's not your you language. You took my language, you white, it's, you white privileged man. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. You know, yeah. it's just, it's asinine. This isn't your culture. Yeah. Get out of here, you retards. Man, I cannot believe that people even do this stuff. I can't believe how confused they are in their own mind that they think that they have this superiority to uh, tell people what they can and cannot yeah, do. Yeah, but these, these, you're at Yale. You're at the most prestigious university, yeah. one of the most expensive places to yes. go to college on planet Earth, and you're whining about somebody else's privilege? Right. This is like these CEOs that are that are sitting in mansions crying about stuff. Yeah. Like, 
You're a child. You are yeah. a toddler. Yeah. Yeah, and debate's just out the window. I yeah. mean, you just can't. Oh, people just go, this goes straight to tears and yeah. ranting and screaming. Yeah. Ad hominem attacks instead yeah. of actual debating topics yep. and whatnot. Explain that ad hominem yeah. attacks. A, attack on a on your person, on your character, yeah, on your character. Yeah, yeah. So you're just a yeah. It goes straight to well, yeah. you're white. You're privilege. a white. You're a white man. Yeah. You know, you're a white, blue eyed. You can't understand me, country dude. I don't care how much history you've right. read. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are people that are hate. You know what we're saying right now? You, you don't understand the plight of the, the. The people that lived under Stalin, how can you sit there and talk about it? You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Are you a doctor? Yeah. What? You can't talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs that we're in. I mean, that's what, you know, I mean, you're talking about good television. Can you imagine if we had debates every night about topics of what's going on and had all these different sides just talking and chewing through yeah. the, you know, money and chewing through the banking system and chewing through... Uh, foreign affairs, you know, this would be great. Chewing through vaccinations, you know, having the best minds up there doing this stuff. That would be great. Man, you think, you really think that people want to hear the truth though? Well, they need to. They need to. The truth needs to be have you tried, fleshed out. Have you tried to, I know you have, tried to give the truth to people. Yeah, absolutely. And, or at least, yeah, what I think of the truth is, I don't know if I'm 100% correct, but, you know, I want to talk about these things so that if I'm wrong, I want to know where I can... Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. let's have dialogue about yes. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that you can, one thing that we can talk about is, for instance, is health. Like, we can, we can talk truth to people about health because we can see, we can observe how a person lives and what they eat and what happens to their body. Like, that is, that is the truth that you were talking about earlier when we... The, the reason that we can look out the window and we can see God, we don't need, we don't need the state to be our God because we can look out the window. Yes, there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to see. Truth, truth is simple. Yeah. Uh, truth is, is simple, and all human beings understand truth. It's the, the, the lies are complicated, and they take experts. That's... I mean, that's the simple truth of it, is that uh, you need experts to explain lies to you. So right. I can watch you eat yes, donut, <clears throat> donuts and Twinkies and drink Cokes and watch your body grow and sores get on your face and you get eczema and you can't, you can't run and you can't jump. And, I mean, I don't need an expert to explain these things sure. to me. Man, nutrition's come down to this. If you can't grow it, where you live, you can't raise it, you shouldn't eat it. Yep. It's, nutrition simple. is easy. It's, it's very simple. It's very simple. Yeah. All truth is that very way. Simple. All truth is simple. Yeah. But then again, you know, you go into the markets, though, and you have these vegetables that, you know, are they, I mean, they're just, the calories in them, the nutrition in them. Is, Did you grow it? Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you, you shouldn't eat it. it here. You shouldn't eat it. Dude, this is why, you know, you look at the farmers out here, they're just growing Corn for pigs and stuff. I mean, because well, they're, they're being subsidized. Subsidized. The yes. The farm bill has destroyed the American farmer yep. and farming in general. Yeah. I mean, think about all the food that we could produce. Oh right man. Here. Oh good. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. You wouldn't we, have to leave Paul's back. No, never. You'd have enough to feed the whole county just yes. in a quarter of the farmland yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a dude. Whenever my. Uh, 
grandfather was a kid in Paul's Valley, a residential lot. People raised enough food to feed their family on a residential lot. They had a milk cow, they had chickens, and they had a garden. They they produced enough calories to feed everybody on, what is it, 50 by 100 or right, whatever the sure. size of a yeah. commercial or a residential yeah. lot is. Yeah, think if you had 1,000 acres. Yeah, or think, think if you just had 1,000 families that had that same mindset, Yeah, you know, and that same lot. Yeah. You know, in the excess, they could just bring to the center and just be like, I got these amount of eggs. Oh, you got some bread? Well, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah, let me, let me, <clears throat> I, I, I want to, we kind of circled back to this, but we, you know, we were talking about, you just the phones and everything. Yeah. Uh, what we're talking about, there's nothing wrong with the phone. There's nothing wrong with Technology. methamphetamine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with heroin or alcohol or, or it's I mean, dare I say pornography. It's the, it's the Terrorist. lack of self-control. <laughs> yeah. It's the lack of self-control that comes with those, with your relationship mm-hmm. with those things. Yes. And that makes you a slave. Uh, and, I, and this is what I've tried to explain to my children because they increasingly, either it's speeding up or age is doing it to their peers, but we let them go less and less places because all they do when they leave these, other than with just a handful of families, all they do when they leave uh leave here and go places is they just they just veg they just they just mainline crack the whole time they're gone and that's why they want to go and and there's nothing wrong with those things that they are mainlining it's the fact that they that's all they want to do right and uh so the apostle paul first corinth he has all these letters in the New Testament that he sends to churches, and a lot of them are, oh, you're doing a good job. Now, was, uh, I'm sorry, was Paul the uh, the centurion or the the guard or the the? No, Roman Paul Legion? was a was like a he was like a religious expert. Okay. He was a Jew that was persecuting Christians. Yes, and he was okay. converted yep. That's to Christianity, and he goes around like planting churches. Yes, and in Corinth, he planted a church, which is. Corinth is a city in Greece that is in a, I don't know what it's called, but it's like where the sea on two side, two bodies of water comes really close. And what they would do is they would drag ships rather than sailing around the Horn of Greece. Oh, okay. They would drag the ships across. So it was like a little peninsula there that they would just yeah. cross. They would it read, read, like a canal, but they just drag the ships rather right. than, uh, so it was a, it was a hot place, you know, and it was like, like it was like the city of sin, you know, like Vegas or something. They had a, they had a, a, a temple there to Dionysus that had a thousand prostitutes, like a thousand holy prostitutes. Or, anyways, he is just talking to these people about, you know, all of the things that they're getting into. They're letting like sexual immorality come back into their lives, and you know, even though that they're supposed to be putting all this stuff behind him. And he says to them uh, an analogy that they can understand because they were big into the Olympics back then in games. You know, they have the Coliseums. Uh, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, 
This is 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that all those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body and make it my slave. We, We are to make our bodies a slave to our will. Right. And not to let these things make us slaves to them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, internal monarchy. Uh, Passios calls, calls that internal monarchy to be ruled within. You got to rule yourself, discipline yourself, mm. you know, be the, be the, uh, be the monarch, the king, the of, king your own body. of your own self. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, be able to balance out your emotions and your, mm. you know, your your courage and your will and bring everything together, all the information, synthesize it, and do the best of your abilities. But you're the one who rules in here, and most people are bereft of that. You yeah. know, their their emotions are running crazy, their yeah. uh, or their anger runs crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just can't control. They're not in control of their their selves. And when you're not in control of yourself, when you are not the king of yourself you are easy pickings to be ruled. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Proverbs says it's easier to conquer a city than it is to conquer the self. Mm. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. But we got it. I mean, we have to do it because, yeah, we'll be slaves. Yep. There are many, like zombies, man, just zombies walking. Yeah. And that's why I think there's so much power in fasting. Fast from everything. If, If, you know, one time Mason... That little that little iPod that you gave me, yeah. I was walking around with it in my ear when I was with my family. He's like, "You're addicted to that thing." Did Mason said that. Yeah. <laughs> was, was he joking or was he serious? No, he, was, yeah. he doesn't joke about stuff like that. Okay, he'll tell you. You know, he'll he'll come out with it, and um, he, he was right. So I had to, dude, I had to lay it down. Yeah, like I'm, I still listen to stuff like that, but it's when I'm with by myself in the uh-huh. car, when I'm on the job, I don't do it anymore. Uh, do you do you don't do it anymore because he's with you? No, just just so I can. But really, when I'm on the job, I need to be focusing on what's going on. Yeah. I, because, dude, like when I'm dropping stuff out of trees, <laughs> I could I could kill somebody. Yeah. Just kill my own son if he's walking sure. around down there and I'm not I don't, paying attention. He's not paying attention. I have to be. Uh, I have to be like completely in the moment. But anyways, fasting from things is powerful because it helps us to maintain control over our, the self our you know be masters of discipline yeah, yeah. fast from from anything from from food from drinks from substances from technology from like daily habits yeah. like make yourself like the you know make yourself sleep on the floor yeah don't get yeah. don't get accustomed to your soft bed sure. and your air conditioning and i mean Make your body your your slave, but that's what I mean. That's what I. That's kind of the theme. What we've been talking to. Not only have these people made us all subjugated slaves through like nefarious, soft pink ways. Oh, taxation. That's more than pink. It's in your face, right? Uh, I I just meant I meant the the interest on this borrowed money and the inflation, right? right. 
Oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. invisible. Yeah. You yes. Can, you I mean, you could see it at the store if you pay attention. Yeah. But if you don't remember what the prices were last year or last month, for that yeah. matter, at this point, and nobody does, dude. Humans just forget. They don't. Mm. They don't remember. You said that. No one ever points out to you that you're just jacking up the prices all the time. Nope, never. Never. Yeah. I've never had one person say, oh, you all raised the prices on your menu. Uh, Nope. Not once. Not once. And I don't know. I know people notice because there's people that get the same thing every day, right? Yeah. They get the same thing. So they know if if the price has changed. And maybe they just don't say anything because in the news, understand. in the news, you know, they're massaging your mind all the time going, hey, you know, inflation's just hitting hard, you know, everything's going up. Yeah. And so they just kind of take it and not really think about it. Let me just tell you this. So like an ounce of gold back in the day was worth 20 bucks, right? Back, back in, in 1915, 1920, okay. something like that. Uh, it was worth 20 bucks. And, uh, uh, so 20 bucks you could buy, uh, they would say like a suit, like a suit and tie, like a new suit and tie would cost like 20 bucks, which was a gold piece, like a nice suit and tie, okay? Go, a gold piece. Like a gold uh, ounce, like an, like an yeah. ounce of gold, one ounce of gold. Mm, like a silver a eagle or something. Yeah, or a gold, gold eagle. Gold eagle, right? Yeah. So an ounce of gold, uh, you could exchange it for a nice tailored suit. And, you know, back then... Everybody wore suits, right? It was mm. something everybody wore because that was just what everybody wore. They didn't wear T-shirts and crap like that. It was flip flops. They looked good. Yeah, no, they looked sharp. And but anyway, uh, so twenty dollars. How much does a suit cost today? Something like that. I don't know, man. Twenty bucks back in the, those five days. G's. I yeah. don't know. Well, it would cost whatever an ounce of gold would right. cost. Yeah, because gold and and everything else, you could buy just as much. Uh, milk and potatoes and whatever with an ounce of gold as you could back in in the twenties. Right. Doesn't that go back even further though? Like you could all buy, the way. You could buy a camel yes, with an ounce of gold, absolutely. and you could buy a camel today. However much an ounce, or however much a camel cost a thousand years ago, yeah. it's the same price today. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, the same price in gold today. Right. Yeah. Right. The same right. price. In gold. And if we would have kept buying gold with our money, then we are. That's a good, it's a good hedge, you know, but, yeah. uh, it's an asset that will, it's a good th- place to put your cash to, if it's a good place to put some of it, it's not going to make you any money It'll protect and it's you. so fiddled with, you know, I mean that there's so much paper gold out there and they manipulate gold, yeah. like gold should be, gold should be going skyrocketing. But what they do is they, they short gold all the time. And by shorting gold, it pushes the gold price down. And they do this with paper money. They don't have any gold to do this. It's just paper gold. Uh, and that's how they manipulate the price of gold to make it not look like inflation's just way out of whack. Right. But if you measure it with anything else, like milk and stuff like that, you can see that it's just way, I mean, even from five years ago, you know, like milk would cost two bucks five years ago. Today, you're paying five bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's over double in price since since then. But with uh, with gold, gold hasn't really gone up that much in five years. Mm-hmm. It may have gone up a little bit, but so where are some? I got I got into this conversation with the Kerboys the other day because they they have when they have extra money, apparently they invest it, and they're always looking for ways to invest it. And, and of course, Dad's gotten them with that. And we talked, we kind of talked about yeah, the metals and. I was like, yeah, I like I like lead as an investment. And one of them, the youngest <laughs> one was like, what are you 
How do you buy your lead? What do you mean? Well, I have nine millimeters, seven, six, two. Oh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bullets uh, are really good too. Those are good. Those are good investments because I guarantee, like, not that everything would, you know, it's not a good investment, but it's something to have on hand that would mm -hmm. is never going to decrease in value. Mm -hmm. Keep it dry, and somebody will always want bullets. Yeah, right. You can always like if you have a a case of bullets or whatnot. You can always trade it for something like that, yeah. or you can always use it. It's almost better than gold, in my opinion. Bullets are the things that you can use. Yeah, because you can't use gold. Yeah, that's why I like land yeah. as, land. A, as yeah. a good an you investment, or you know, uh, equipment, mm -hmm. um, or stuff that can make you money. That yeah. actually you can uh, passive income. Yeah, like a rest restaurant. If you can make it, you could. Make it go. Yeah. I know that's getting increasingly harder and harder as you're yeah. talking about, but people need to eat. Uh, always need to eat. Yeah, they'll keep, always need to eat. Yeah. And if you keep it, if you're able to manage manage it where it's affordable, like even in dire times, like I've been thinking about, uh, and you can shoot yourself in the foot. I think about this all the time, like uh, having a, a menu or a, a, uh, some food like a bean burrito or something like that, you know, that's just dirt cheap. And charge dirt cheap amounts you know where mm -hmm. people could fill up on it well that's kind of what the the fast food restaurants do isn't it i mean it is yeah they buy that subsidized food and yes. sell it dirt cheap and sell a ton of it absolutely just just churning people through there yep um yep but again you know like if you do something like that and you make really good food and it's dirt cheap everybody's going to buy that and the rest of your menu just goes goes away pretty uh, much. Yeah. so you got to kind of uh, you got to kind of look out for that as well, man. There are, they're talking about businesses. There are businesses just lying out there. Nobody's taking them. I was in the, uh, what do you mean nobody's taking them? There's a, like for sale. Business? No, just businesses that, that you could go and start and have oh, a, yes. and make, yeah, yeah. just make a good living yep. working for yourself. Yep. Uh, I was at the, the uh, small engine repair shop the other day here in town. And the guy's like, we're three weeks out. I'm like, eh, I'm not in a hurry for any of this stuff. Here you go. I took like five things in there. And he just got to telling me, he's like, yeah, we, you know, trying to make excuses. Because usually they'll get to me within a week. Just making excuses for why it's going to take so long. He's like, I got people bringing me stuff from Marietta. You know, driving an hour and a half to wow. bring me stuff. And he's like, there's just no mechanic shops out there. There's no small engine shops. And dude, a a chainsaw mechanic, you could you could do this job from a wheelchair. I mean, the only problem with with like that is pulling on it, like trying to start it. Yeah. But you're saying from a wheelchair, somebody in a wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, it's a, it's a small thing that you can work on on a table, like this table here. We could we could rebuild chainsaws, yeah. do whatever you need. And you, could you start a chainsaw with like a drill or something? Maybe. Yeah. Like. I'm sure there are devices out yeah. there for for people that can't pull them, but but I'm but my point is like you can go to six month Votech class and learn to rebuild engines yes. and go and and just open up your garage and stick a sign out there. This guy, you go in there and give him your card, he'll send you work. Mm. He's like I'm just he's like I, there's a shop over in Elmore that uh, that opened up. I I've sent him a hundred customers. You know just. But <clears throat> he, he wants people to start businesses so he can get some 
because he has more work than he can. He's just working all the time. Yeah. He can't. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy, and I yeah. see this every day. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I want to take a Botech course and do something like that. I mean, think about what you could do with that. Like, if you did, if you got really good with those small engines, dude, you could get on you could get on that Facebook Marketplace and just scoop up broken motors, like things that just don't work. Fix them at your house and resell them. Oh, yeah. Right on the market. There's a guy online that just sells, he just sells hot sauce. He, <laughs> you call him. <laughs> Did you say hot sauce? Hot sauce. <laughs> hot sauce. You, you text hot him sauce. and say, I want a, a steel uh, 660, a uh-huh. big a big felon saw. Well, he'll send it to you with the, they, they port, they do what's called a port on them. They go and make it so the saw can breathe better. Because for an engine, you need air, fuel, and fire. And if you can increase the, the air, you get more power. And these saws come, they come uh, down-regulated, I guess. They have more power you can get out of them, but they don't last as long. But if you're doing it commercially, you don't care. Cause right. You're gonna buy a new one every year, anyways. Yeah. Um, but you you just go on there and he charges you like two hundred bucks on top of a new one. He was only working with new saws. He doesn't take any used ones, and you just order it right from him. He puts two hundred dollars onto the retail and ships it to you. Wow! It takes him forty five minutes to do this. Jeez! Charge you two hundred bucks. I bet he's doing it all day long. Just wow! Do 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 do. And then he probably gets a kickback from the company that he's he because he's a a retailer of the saw, yeah. so he's getting a he's getting a commission for every sale on top of his uh, t- tuning them up. Anyways, there's all this work out there, and we used to be a country that people didn't want to work for anybody else. That right. was like shameful, yeah. and now here we are. Nobody wants to work for themselves. Nobody even wants to work. You yeah. just said it yourself. Yeah, you know? nobody wants to work. But it, the, the same thing goes for owning houses. I see more and more people just like, nah, I don't want to. I don't want a house. I just want an apartment. You know, I don't want to deal with all the headaches of having a house and stuff like that. You know, and they're just they'd rather rent than <laughs> you know than own their own own their own house. Yeah. You know, because I just pay that money. You know, I'm getting paid this amount. I, you know, I'll just stay in a. I'll be happy renting. Like not wanting to increase their just coasting, just coasting. I coasting guess. through just, life. Yeah, and just doing as the least amount of possible. That's to, living for yeah. to, That's living for the now, man. What is it uh, that Latin quote? Vol, volo ergo sum. I want, therefore I am. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. Yeah. No thought for the future. No. Th- the problem that I see with with. With, you know, even looking back on my own mistakes is not giving thought to 15, 20, 25, even five-year Bob. You know, what? how is the decision I make today going to affect me tomorrow and five years from now and ten years from now? Like, you know, one day I'm going to be too old to do what I'm doing now. Do I have a plan in place? Am I working towards that plan to have something else to do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what you're talking about, like just renting, yeah. just working for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, renting and, and waiting to get on the uh, government tit. Yeah, waiting until the government takes over social. the rental game. Yeah. Talk, there's oh, talk of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole game is to 
everything being being owned by the government. Yeah. Like they've done with farming. They yeah. just subsidize the rental exactly. owners. Just cut them a check. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Instead of the man. And where is this money coming from? It's being printed. Yeah, it's being printed. And then and then the the, the guy that really suffers for it is who is taking that the the farmer is the one that suffers. Yeah. He's taking the money from the government for this corn he's growing. Meanwhile, the price of diesel's going up, yeah. the price of John Deere's going up, the price of fertilizer's going up, and he's losing the farm. Yeah. Yeah. He can't see yeah. that him taking that government money is slowly bleeding him to death. Uh, it, that's exactly right. And meanwhile, he's uh, becoming incredibly depressed because he's about to lose his family's uh, keepsake. Yeah. You know, I mean, something that was given to him, mm-hmm. who was probably given to his father. Yeah, five generations yeah. deep. And now he's about to lose it yeah. because he can't make enough money to keep that thing alive. Yeah, it's a it's a brutal thing. It's. All by design, man, because yeah. they, they that's what's happening. All of this land is being consolidated into the hands of billionaires. Bill yeah. Gates is going around buying up all this stuff that comes up for sale. He is, yeah. He's buying a ton of it. He's I forget how many hundreds of thousands of acres. That he yeah, has. and probably all with a plan to turn it back into, like, jungle. Just back to forest. Not going to grow food on that land, right? Yeah, just back to back to native grasslands or whatever it was, and not allowing anybody out nope. there. Locked down. Not unless you got a, not unless you got the money to pay to go out into the right grasslands, right? Or you work, you're in the upper echelons of government, and then you get to retreat. <coughs> you know, go on retreats. Yeah. There and, well, what I, what this lady and uh, I was listening to her yesterday talk about the Teton Mountains. What they've done is we have all this protected wilderness and all these rich people have moved into, they've built houses there and are buying up all the land around them so nobody develops it and nobody builds next to them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like by way of economics, all the poor people are getting pushed out of the Teton yeah. Mountains yeah, because the government has made sanctuaries of all this land and people want to live there where there's they're next to nature. And of course, who wouldn't? All right. Who wouldn't want to live at the foothills yeah. of the of yeah. the Colorado Rockies? Sure. I mean, sure, man, just getting them, just pushing them out. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing they can do. What can you do? Uh, I've got one more thing I wanted Go to for throw it. out. Um, this is uh, who owns the national debt. It has been said that we need not worry about interest on the national debt because quote we owe it to ourselves. Let's take a look at who owes what to whom. It may come as a surprise to learn that the Federal Reserve holds but a small portion of the national debt, only about 9%. Agencies of the federal government have 28%. This constitutes an IOU for money taken from various reserve funds, such as Social Security, and spent for other purposes. Foreign investors own approximately 43%. And private, and that was in 2002. And private sectors uh, investors in the U.S. hold, <coughs> hold the balance. It is partly true, therefore, that we owe it to ourselves, but it is more accurate to say that all of us owe it to some of us. The some of us who receive the interest uh, are private investors seeking income that is tax or that is exempt from state income taxes and large institutions such as banks, corporations, insurance companies, and investment funds. With institutions, the money represents pooled assets belonging to thousands of small investors. So a major pro- portion of the interest on the national debt does indeed accrue to the benefit of large sector of the American people. 
That's the good news. The bad news is that the government obtains every cent of the money it pays to us by confiscating it from us in the first place. If it is true that we owe it to ourselves, then it is also true that we pay it to ourselves. The money goes out of one pocket and into the other, minus a handling fee. The government takes $1,000 from us in taxes and inflation and gives us back $350. The so-called benefit to the public is but a giant scam. Am I yelling into that thing? You're good. I'm just I'm just trying to dial it in. Yeah. You're good. But yeah, so um, it's just it just it's bizarre how all this stuff works and who's the beneficiaries of it and, and who isn't. It's definitely not the poor folk. Like no, they're the ones getting just ran over the coals. And you've got all these people that own they own the debt and they make a little bit of money off of it. But then you got inflation. Like if you have a CD, right? You go down to the bank, you buy a CD. It gives you three uh, percent, yeah, right. And inflation's got seven, be, eight, nine yeah, at least. Yeah. So you hold that for a year, and you've only lost four percent percent of purchasing power, <laughs> even though you have more money at the end of the year. The purchasing power, you still lost money. You, st- you still you've lost purchasing power. You haven't yeah. lost any money. Well, yeah. You've lost uh, essentially, but power. you've lost money. Yeah, you've lost wealth. Who cares if? Who cares how much you? Who cares if you how much you have if it's you if can only buy, buy half it. as much? Exactly. So why would you ever buy a CD? This is the whole thing. Is like if you do if you are making money, where do you put this money? How do you hedge yourself against this inflationary spiral that we're going to be? Well, you have to, to you have to use your money to make more money. You have to. Yep. That's what the that's what the billionaires are doing. And you have to spend money like the poor. Have you have to, to spend, spend money like a crazy man. That's why. You can't hold on to it. You got to spend your money yeah. as fast as possible. Yeah. And if you get a windfall, boy, you better find something quick. You better find some land. You better find a house, a rental property, something that can anchor anchor that wealth. Yeah. Because it's just going to go up in smoke. Yeah, I've got I've got some really. I feel, I feel like they're smart friends that have a tree service in Chickasha, and one of them's got twenty eight rent houses. You know, he's been just buys rental property yeah. and gets extra money. Yeah pretty smart i mean because yeah. you can because you can raise that rent yeah oh always and not only that but the land that it's and on then the will, house will the price booed. of the house goes up yeah. yeah you know it's it's one of the boats yeah on one of the boat you yeah. gotta buy a boat right you gotta buy a boat you gotta buy boats for your for for yeah because the money is just gonna man that's worth nothing something it's it's i mean you and i understand this pretty well but you know a lot of a lot of people don't understand this and I'm, i mean what Essentially, what you've been saying, he he's, and you you might. I don't think you told told our listeners what the book you're reading from is. Oh yeah, it's the creature from Jekyll Island. And what is what is the creature from Jekyll Island? Where where did this creature come from, and what is Jekyll Island? So Jekyll Island is an island just off of Georgia that uh, these bankers, international bankers, people bankers from Germany. Uh, bankers from the United States, bankers from England, uh, they all got together and took a train ride down to Jekyll Island where they hatched the Federal Reserve Plan, mm-hmm. which was already going on over in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, this has been going on. The Rothschilds started this whole thing by funding governments. You know, all the governments, all the kings, they're always needing money. Well, uh, this Mayor Rothschild, who started all this stuff, figured out a way to... Uh, give them as much money as they wanted to. How to 
you know, he was in control of the money. He got the money supply, and then they started making counterfeit, I mean, counterfeit money, you know, giving this to the, uh, the kings and queens and royalty all over, all over Europe. Yeah. And uh, allowed them to spend as much money as they wanted to spend. You know, and keep up that front of being a king and being wealthy and right. having uh, all of this stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah, they all hooked up down in, in uh, Jekyll Island and, and hatched this plan in the United States because they needed the United States to uh, get on board with them. So this was a what you're essentially what you're saying that this was a elaborate plan to steal from the world. Yes. And they and they take this money to do evil, yeah. to do evil things, to yeah. start wars, to buy countries. Yeah. Oh, uh, didn't the Rothschilds use their money to essentially establish the state of Israel and murder yes. millions of Palestinians? Yep. And yep. then uh, also help fund Hitler yes. in World War II? They're, they're always funding both sides. Yeah. They always want the winner, right? So whoever wins. Yeah, the Battle of, Wa- Battle of Waterloo. I love this story. I don't know if I've told you it, but uh, Nathan Rothschild, he was the— uh, uh, I think he was the head of the Bank of England at the time. And, of course, he owns all this stock and everything, you know, and it's, it's roaring over there. Well, they're in, in a fight with uh, Napoleon in, in France, and they fight at Waterloo. And at that time, you know, they don't even have cables. They don't, you can't talk, right? You can't mm-hmm. talk to people. They don't know what's going on. So everybody's just on pins and needles waiting for this. But the Rothschilds were famous about making these... Um, these lines of communication where they'd have like the fastest horses, they'd have <laughs> boats that would come over, you know, and get there before the rest of the information got to the public. So he found out, you know, they raced over after the, after the battle of Waterloo, um, England wins, right? England beats Napoleon there and they, ra- they race back and Nathan, they, they tell Nathan that we won. And so he goes down to the Capitol or whatever, and he's just all solemn and he just starts telling all these people, sell everything I have, sell it all. And so he creates this huge panic, and they just dump everything on the market. I mean, the market just crashes, and once it reaches the bottom, Nathan just starts buying everything. <laughs> like he buys it all back yep. up. Yeah, dude, the Rothschilds, they are dirty, dirty people. Yeah. But mas- masters of masters. Psychologi- they're, they're psychological They've manipulation. Been doing it for years. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's in. Uh, that's, I guess that's where the the writers of Trading Places got their idea for the the climax of that film. Oh yeah, with sell, sell, sell. Yeah, with the orange tree. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Buy, buy, buy. They got the. Yeah, they got the. So what they did is they got a secret report about the orange crop before anybody else did, yep. and they read it, switched, swapped it, swapped it yeah. and uh, yeah. They they pulled a Waterloo, didn't yeah, they? They did. They did. Yeah. They knew what things were gonna. They knew, so they they got yeah. I mean, it's exactly people that happened. haven't seen it, yeah. Yeah, but Nathan Rothschild, he was the one that carried that out, and you know, just did it I in mean, real that's, life. That's history, right? I mean, think about think about the windfall profits at that. Oh of, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, just imagine just, if you were sitting on a ton of cash during the Great Depression. Sure. Yeah. Oh, and that's man. my gr- my great grandfather made his fortune. Yeah, and he, you know that was engineered as well. Yeah, the 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 crash was engineered. You know, they just flooded all this debt money. They just flooded the markets with all this new money, and that was the Roaring Twenties, right? Mm. So everybody was out partying and having a great time and 
buying stocks and everything, and the stock market was just rising, and everybody's rich. It's like, yeah, and then all of a sudden, crash. Yeah. Just wipes everybody out. And then these guys pick it up for pennies. And then on the they dollar. go in and pick it up. Yeah, because as, as the market's going up, the smart money's selling out. You know? Sell, sell, They're sell. Sell, 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 yeah. selling, selling, selling. And the, the ones that are holding the money are the dumb poor. They're yeah. idiots that get in there on the end. You know, there's this book. Uh, uh, what was that book called? Uh, uh, it's called Baruch. It's Bernard Baruch, who was this investor. And uh, he says that he knows it's time to sell when the... Uh, when the elevator operator starts giving him tips on the stock market. <laughs> he said, that, I'll start selling then. He said, yeah, I went in today and, uh, you know, the elevator guy's like, I got a stock tip for you. He's like, I went in and sold everything. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well. It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. I like yes. this. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>